Hi, thanks for joining us on another episode of Teacher Nerds Podcast. Joe and Ron are self-proclaimed teacher nerds geeking out on all things education. They are looking to move educational practices out of the 1900s factory worker model to a student-driven classroom full of empathetic, creative, and collaborative students who are willing to take risks. Joe and Ron welcome you to join discussions they used to have privately, where they discussed educational tools, techniques, ideas, policies, and much more. Joe is a third grade teacher and Ron a technology teacher for grades three to eight. Thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds. Check us out on teachernerds.com and that's nerds with a Z. Find us on Instagram at teacher nerds podcast or on Twitter at teacher nerds. And now a word from a sponsor. Oh, have you heard about the nerds? What's the word? Teacher nerds. You can tweet them out on Twitter. You can find them on the gram. After listening to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like, bam! Trying to take the teaching from one level to the next. Reaching up to Canada and down to Mexico. Gotta go. Teacher nerds. Start the show. Welcome back to another episode of Teacher Nerds Podcast. Now, I'm Ron Nover. I'm Joe DiPaolo. I'm a technology teacher, third grade to eighth grade. And I teach third grade. And we are joined by three great guests today. We have uh, Dr. Jennifer Williams, uh, Tara Harrington from Design for Change, and Donna Guerin. So welcome, everybody. We're excited to have you here. Thanks for having us. Um. Jen, do you want to go go first, kind of introduce yourself and just kind of tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm so excited to be on this podcast after following <laughs> it for all these months. <laughs> and you both fall. But um, my name is Jennifer Williams. I am here from Florida within the United States. I have a background in um, teaching and I was in education for 20 years. Then in 2014, I moved to higher ed. So I we have the great pleasure of working with our future teachers and currently practicing teachers uh, heading back for an advanced degree. I also am uh, part of the team at Take Action Global with my, my partner, Kuntemers, in Belgium. And we are able to lead efforts around some of the projects that we'll probably be talking about today. And I'm also the co-founder of Teach SDGs. Yep. And author? And I have a book with SDS. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Thank you. Um, teach Boldly. <laughs> yeah. And so um, in Teach Boldly, I'm able to talk about all of my work around um, just, well, really, the, my point of Teach Boldly was to be able to showcase and spotlight some of the teachers that are doing this work out in our world. There Got my is. copy right here. <laughs> <laughs> they did such a great job on that cover. But just talking kind of about the intersection of technology, design thinking, human-centered design, and how we can use that to take action for social good in our world. Awesome. Tara, do you want to introduce yourself and design for change? Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Um, I'm so humbled to be talking alongside you all. Um, thank you. Uh, I am calling in from Mission, South Dakota, and I have worked in education in a number of different spaces, from teacher to instructional coach, 
Um, I've worked both here on, in the United States as well as abroad in Nicaragua. And I now am the co-director of Design for Change US um, and also work at Sinte Gleshka University, which is the tribal university here on the Rosebud Reservation. Design for Change is a global movement of youth-led change-making around the world. We have about 70 partners and Design for Change USA uh, activates young people around social change-making by connecting them with community perspective, um, peer perspective, and also design thinking activities. And so we see that educators typically choose a social issue, uh, a corresponding podcast, and then engage students in a different path, whether it's an empathy warm-up, which is a a shorter engagement or a design sprint, or a full community project. Um, It's all connected with around this idea of using design thinking for social change. And we use a simple design thinking framework of feel, imagine, do, and share. And I have the really distinct honor to work alongside brilliant, creative educators like Donna um, (laughs) are doing this work (laughs) in in their classrooms. So thank you all again for letting me join. Yeah, we're so excited. I was so excited. It was probably finding design for change. I think I probably found it through Donna on Twitter. Um, <laughs> was probably one of the best things I found during, you know, the pandemic and distance mm-hmm. learning. Um, one of the most I see useful going forward for me. Uh, Donna, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, I'm Donna Guerin. I'm uh, calling in today from Colorado here in the United States as well. I am really honored to be here today. I have been working uh, with Dr. Williams and with Tara with Design for Change for several years now. Uh, I've been involved in multiple projects um, through Take Action Global with Dr. Williams. We just did, uh, we just wrapped up the Take Action Project recently. Um, I've been involved with innovation lab schools that Take Action Global works with as well, and several other projects over the last several years. Her and Kuhn Timmers are amazing human beings, and I've so enjoyed working with them. And then I've also had the opportunity to um, work with Tara with Design for Change, and my students have been involved with that also for a couple of years. And just this past November, we had the opportunity to take a group of my students. We had um, eight total uh, representing four groups and we got to go to Rome, Italy to attend the uh, global conference that they had there, which was an amazing experience that was unforgettable. And my students are still talking about it. So are their parents. Uh, I actually just spoke to a parent yesterday who is still talking about it. So the work that both these ladies do is just amazing. And I'm just excited to be here today. Awesome. So we usually, we start off always with an icebreaker and a lot of times it revolves around food. So we're, this time it hasn't revolved around food. It's one of those rare occasions, but we decided, I I had seen earlier in the week that uh, Kurt Loder, the news correspondent for MTV back in the the eighties, he turned 75, which really just made me cringe and feel really, really old. Um, 
it, you know, so I figured we'd do 80s music as our topic, and Joe loves music. I, you know, I like music, but definitely Joe's a, a, a musician as well. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't call it a musician. <laughs> you know, like, hey, look, I'm, you, I'm, I'm you do our, our theme song and our outro, so. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm not afraid to pick something up and play around, you know, you know, with musical instruments. But, you know, whether you call it making music or not or, you know, having fun, I think that's what it's having fun. Yeah. But I do like music, listening to music for sure. And, uh, and I'm going to say 80s music is, is having grown up in the 80s. And I know it's it's a it's a cult classic. Do not like '80s music at all. Um, so Ron, definitely not my favorite topic. But oh, okay. but but uh, I think it's a, I think it's a classic classic topic. And I just want to say, like you talk about being humbled. Holy smokes! Yeah. Like the, the, the guests on the show today. Like I'm not gonna. And this is going to be. Normally I'm nonstop talking like I am now. Like I never have a problem with things to say. But today I'm I'm gonna. Uh, just keep quiet and, and try and take everything in because I, I think everything that's happened so far has changed my teaching. And then to, to hear everyone talk today, like it's, 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 you talk about humbling, like I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and be quiet and, and take a lot in. So I'm also excited and, and thanks for being on. Usually what we do is we'll, Joe and I will, will start kind of, we'll scaffold We'll model two yes more is one no way for everybody. Since Joe, you're you're not an '80s guy. I will. I'll go first. It's time for two yes more, one no way. Okay, go um, for it. Tom. So my two yes mores are are artists um, that I just really liked in the '80s and still like. Um, first one was Billy Joel. You know, I, I and Look, Billy Joel can go 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, right? But, um, you know, that was like high school driving around. And Joe and I are calling in from New Jersey. And I grew up in Philadelphia, went to high school in Center City, Philadelphia, um, driving around and just with my buddies and Billy Joel playing is, you know, like it's, it just reminds me of high school. Um, My second one is... I worked in a restaurant all during high school and one of the cooks was obsessed with Terrence Trent Darby and he had an <laughs> album called Introducing the Hardline and it was probably one of my favorite albums singing that in the in the kitchen and then going out into the quiet restaurant dining room but belting it out into in the kitchen um, there were some amazing songs on that album uh, so they were my two yes mores my one no way has to be any of like the eighties hair band. It, you know, that was just not my, that was not my thing. <laughs> no Motley crew. No, I was not a Motley crew, uh, uh, crew person. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Right. So Joe, what about you? <sighs> well, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I'm not an eighties, eighties rock music guy either. Um, but my favorite band actually uh, came about in the eighties and it's the Beastie Boys. So like one of the one of my favorite songs is off Paul's Boutique and it's called Shake Your Rump. Um, <laughs> classic, classic. And, and just it's got because it's all it's all samples. And, and I don't know. It's like an old R&B riff. Um, just such a such a cool sample. My next one is a little different genre. Uh, the Violent Femmes. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I you know, love the Violent Femmes. And uh, I guess if I would have to pick a song, it would be uh, Kiss Off. Uh, so those would be my two yeses. My one no 
is is kind of it's a it's Madonna. Like I do not like Madonna. <laughs> and, and Madonna, the first time I saw the Beastie Boys, they actually opened for Madonna in Madison Square Garden. Um, so, and 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 my dad, we went, we saw the Beastie Boys, and we left. Um, so. Those would be my two yeses and, and one no. And my girlfriend is a Madonna fan. We actually have <laughs> a Madonna album in our in our record collection. But uh, it doesn't get much playtime. <laughs> so, Donna, I saw your on your Twitter, it said something about all things rock and roll. So yeah, do you so want to jump in next? Yeah, so when I saw this topic, um, first of all, so the shirt I'm wearing today has Design for Change on the front, has Take Action Global on the back, and it has – another platform called Teach Rock because one of my, so this topic today is so amazing to me because it's combining my passion of music to start us off with the SDG. So anyway, um, uh, I, uh, I, first of all, I, my, I grew up on the East Coast in New York. I grew up on Long, Long Island. And so when you talk 80s, that is like my wheelhouse. Love Bruce Springsteen. He's my favorite. Uh, bon Jovi, of course, another Jersey boy. And um, unlike you, I am totally into hair, glam, rock, um, okay. any of those, like Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, you name it, like they're all my favorites. So um, I have like every yes for everything 80s, especially rock and roll. Uh, and I guess my, my no would be, or um, I forget what term you used, would be just that for, for me, music today is so different and it's so hard to get back to that time where it was just about creativity and let's try it and innovation and collaborating. And I feel like a lot of the artists today are not as much like that. And so I can't mm. do that. And so um, I still, you know, as long as those artists can get out on the stage and jump around and do their thing, I will continue to see them uh, in concert as long as I can because... I just love all things 80s music. So. Okay. It just reminded me when you said that the, uh, I don't know if you've seen that Geico commercial where they're like, we have a little bit of a rat problem and the band <laughs> Rat is playing in their basement. <laughs> that's, that, I haven't seen Rat. That's one band I have not seen in concert, but I've seen uh, most of the others. G&R, I just saw them a couple years ago. Oh, that was so. another, that that first album, that was a oh, pretty good album. Yeah. 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 That, that was probably my favorite rock and roll album uh, in the 80s. And that came out, I think I was in, I want to say sixth grade or, or fifth grade. And I remember, I mean, that Paradise City kind of like changed, you know, like you hear a song and, and just the way I started to think about things. And, uh, and that's, I guess, growing up in, the, in middle school, you know, 10, 11, 12, it was so formative. And I, and I keep saying, you know, I didn't like the 80s, but I guess growing up, there was such a cool decade to come around in and definitely for music. Cause like you said, they just, they tried things and, and things were very different than what they are today. Um, so that's, that's cool. That's cool to have, to have a no, no for any, any genre of music. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, Dr. Williams, do you want to go? Yeah. All right. So uh, the eighties for me, oh, and first off Joe, the fact that you saw Beastie Boys, I'm super jealous. Oh, <laughs> like, wait, what? There's a couple of bands like um, Donna knows Coldplay is on my list, but like Beastie Boys, it, you know, super, super sad to not seen them in concert. But yeah, so, I just saw the documentary, which was, did you see the documentary? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. So good. They, those guys, they're amazing. Just, just to hear their story and to, and to see, you know, talk about New York and, and where they, they come from and 
Not yeah. that I do like New York, but just it's just such a. Hey, Jersey guys. Oh man, this is why I have to not talk during these podcasts. Right? <laughs> They're like I, I, outing I, I, every all these different groups. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, that's so cool. We'll have to talk about that another time. Um, so the '80s for me, it was like I started off the '80s as like a child and ended as um, you know, like a teen. So. Um, my two yeses, the beginning and Hollow Notes, which I think like yeah. the influence of my parents and just like, but Hollow Notes and Men at Work and all of that kind of MTV, I think of them. Yeah. And um, so just like, I feel like that just reminds me right away of where in my childhood by the end of the 80s is like totally different because I was, you know, growing up. And I think, uh, REM for me, kind of like mm-hmm. Violent Femmes, but REM like Stand was like my anthem, and, <laughs> um, just really, and then just continued to to love um, their work. And then my No Way, which is probably your, your a lot of your No Way as well, was Millie Vanilli. Like what the <laughs> heck? Oh, <yeah. laughs> like that's I not fair. Forgot, yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> cheated. <laughs> So I would have kind of liked them, but then after knowing that they, they, they pulled one over on us all, then. Hey, that was pretty impressive, no though, that they were able to keep Seriously, that, you right? know, under wraps, right? <laughs> that was the mass Singer 30 years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man, I love that show right now. So. <laughs> it's so cheesy and amazing. <laughs> we just did a mass Singer version on Flipgrid for our school. Oh, with the, the administrators and staff were the singers. <laughs> no way. Tara, you want to jump in? Yes. I think I'm out of my league again here. <laughs> I did think of Millie Vanilli, but um, I will start. I'll start with my no way actually, because it's connected. Is that okay? Sure. Oh, I'm going. <laughs> um, have y'all heard the song? Do they know it's Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Not not a fan. I know. The lyrics are terrible. <laughs> oh, um, so do you like Christmas songs in general? Are you a Christmas? Song? I love Christmas songs so oh, okay. much. Okay, this is like the most problematic Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I had to add that to my list. Um, I am maybe that's why because I love Christmas songs. In fact, um, there's quite quite the contention in November because I want to play Christmas songs early, but we have to wait <laughs> in my family. Um, until we just had here in Philly. They just one of the radio stations played Christmas music a few weekends in a row during the pandemic just to kind of make people feel better and feel good. I would love that. Um, Which might be why I have such a visceral reaction to such a bad Christmas. (laughs) Um, Tell us how you really feel about it. (laughs) um, I was actually reading the lyrics again this morning when I was preparing for the call and I was like, no, why? (laughs) Um, But to end with some of what I think is the best 80s music. Um, two favorite songs, PYT by Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I Want to Dance with Somebody Aww. by Whitney. Yeah, yeah, Your yeah. second album, Whitney. Those are my two. Two yeses. They're, they're pretty good. Hey, Michael Jackson's music was, it was game changing, right, for, for music oh, in general. So Most definitely. I love dancing to that song. 
uh, at a wedding, at a wedding, you know, they, yeah. they, that's a constant at a wedding, uh, at least around here. Oh boy. My, my dog just came back from the groomers and he just came in hot. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I and I wanted to dance with somebody have just stood the test of time. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So, uh, let's jump in. Um, so for us, I guess, does somebody want to take on like just kind of talking about what the SDGs are? And I, um, I'm saying, Dr. Williams, like, you know, would you uh, want to just kind of talk to that? And like I said, you you were the one who inspired Joe and I to really take hold and and, and do these things. And I think probably have inspired a lot of people to do the same. So thanks. I love that session. Those two sessions, actually, when we yeah. were together, Rewire. That was a great conference. Um, so, and I can kind of even uh, uh, share what the SDGs are, but really just even my journey in coming to them. Sure. Um, so, I, my background, I was at a Montessori World School. So, any of your listeners familiar with Montessori, it's a practice that incorporates peace curriculum, um, world studies, geography, really building our students as global citizens. And so we were early adopters with technology. And so we got iPads very early on and not really having an idea of how to use them or a, a, like a, a book to show us the way or a Twitter PLN to help us figure it out. Uh, this was like 2011 maybe. And so we said, Let's align our uh, tech integration to our mission of global ed. And so we did that, and we were able to connect our to us around the world. We were able to work on problems of significance. We did do some work with the UN on, like, Model UN. Um, anyone that does local Model UNs, uh, if you don't know, the UN also does the International Model UN. So you can actually go to New York City and go in. The General Assembly Hall and participate in, I think it was three days, we did that one year. And you're part of like the UN experience. We did the middle school one. So really uh, believing in that. And then when I left in 2018, I was like, this is it. This is the way. I really think global ed is our, our future. And so putting in at conferences to talk about this work and uh, nobody's showing up. <laughs> no, everybody's like, that's kind of a nice to have. Um, but I'm busy and I have to work on and assessments and I have classroom management issues. So it's just not really something that I can focus on right now. I'm happy that someone. So for me, it was really that just teachers didn't see themselves in that conversation at the time. So a lot of other groups would say, okay, but you also have experience in tech integration or you have experience in learning space design or design thinking. So have me come in for that and that is my entry point to start talking about Google Ed. But in 2015, when the United Nations and us as a world, so these are goals that we all together have agreed upon, came together and said these are 17 goals, 17 sustainable development goals, sometimes as the SDGs, sometimes known as the global goals. This is our roadmap. This will be our plan that we're all together going to work towards um, by 2030 to achieve for people and planet. And so um, if you look at the Global Goals poster and it has these brilliant colors and these amazing icons and it really breaks down the challenges we as a world are facing in digestible bite-sized pieces. And so something about those goals for us in the space, we were like, hmm, this could, this could be the entry point in for all teams. So we... Uh, 
we sent out a tweet and it's just kind of crazy story, but we sent out a tweet. The UN responded. They said, please come. We'd like to answer that question as well. of Who's doing the work in this space and how can we bring educators into this dialogue and then join at the UN? And it's kind of been um, going from two educators to four to now over 40,000 that are working every day to the global goals into, into classrooms. So what we're also starting to see is a lot of other groups, which is great. So ed tech, um, forward thinking educators by design kind of. So we're seeing a lot of things happening and bubbling up in ed tech spaces where ed tech companies and other organizations are really starting to see that the SDGs can um, be a pathway them too. So there's a sense there. There's there's a lot of um, and a lot of movement happening. So so it's neat. So Tara, how about how are you guys in design for change kind of promoting them the SDGs? And maybe even if you want, yeah. we want to touch on some of what what some of the SDGs are. Yeah. Um, thanks for asking. So design for change, as I mentioned, is a global movement of youth change makers, <laughs> and we actually were founded by a brilliant educator and mother um, in India who uh, was working alongside, as a designer, working alongside IDEO and the Stanford D School um, to create a student-facing process. And that's where the Feel, Imagine, Do, Share framework uh, came about. And as a global organization, of course, we are consistently thinking about the, the work that is both connecting us globally and also has unique implications locally. And so at Design for Change, we align all of our content for educators to specific SDGs. And so I mentioned earlier that we, we connect youth to community voice and peer voice that are, that are really talking about specific social issues so that they can hear from folks that are really connected to those issues. Um, and all of those podcasts have a corresponding SDG aligned. So, so educators can sift through and connect with a specific SDG or a specific social cause and then make the connection to the SDG. And what's really, I think, exciting for an educator too is that there is a way to both build students' um, connection to a global issue, but also do it through the lens of, of how that's impacting them locally. And I think, Donna, you have a lot of um, experience in actually using Design for Change and, and connecting it with the SDGs, so I'd love to hear that too. Yeah, I mean, I have so many connections with the SDGs. I Initially, I was one of the first, um, in the first group of SDGs ambassadors, bringing them here to the United States and just trying to be an amplifier and try to spread the word that you can use these every day in your classroom. They can be your roadmap. They can be your guiding force. And so I have had so much fun just integrating the SDGs into my work in the classroom every day, especially with Design for Change. Uh, I actually did a class, um, it was a, an elective class, and I, it was just called Design for Change or Design Thinking. And so uh, we, all we did was concentrate on, they, the kids took a deeper dive into 
which SDG they were interested in. And then they connected those SDGs with a passion that they had. And then they developed projects around that. And that's how uh, the, the last year um, I was teaching eighth grade and we actually came together as an eighth grade unit. And the other teachers were a little hesitant because I was just going to, I just said, we're just going to focus on the SDGs and design thinking and bringing, bringing the world together as, and we're going to take the curriculum and we're going to learn through the SDGs. And so we took a leap and it was wonderful and so awesome to watch the students because they took their passions and they related them to an SDG. So one example, which is like one of my favorites because one of the passions is mine, which is music. And so a group of students were really uh, interested in music. And so we took a deep dive. We went for a tour of an actual engineering studio. Uh, We got to meet them and the children put together a song that related to the SDGs. They, they said it related to number 17, which is partnership for the goals because it incorporated all the goals. And so they wrote and recorded their own song, which is on six different platforms. It, it really, uh, to me, integrates all the SDGs and it integrates their passion for music. And so I often use it in the classroom that way where I take the students' passions, and I match it with one of the goals and incorporate it into great projects, both through Design for Change and through the Take Action Global. Oh, that's awesome. The, uh, the song, what's the, the title of the song? Uh, it's called Side by Side. Uh, I actually just retweeted it about a week ago because it, it really is very apropos right now if you listen to the lyrics because it's talking about, you know, if we just work together as, as one world and one... Um, one planet, then we can we can get things done. So, um, and it, it touches on number one, which is no poverty. It touches on uh, number fourteen, which mm-hmm. is life underwater. So, it's actually a pretty pretty good song, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, look, if you like it, yeah, <laughs> and you're the music person, then you know it's it's got to be good, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that as we started to, or as I started to work with the SDGs and and listen to you, Jen, at at the Rewire was, I think the cool thing is we are, our our students now, and I don't know why it is, but when I was a kid, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking about what's going on somewhere else in the world or necessarily about pollution or things like that. But I, I feel like students today are so much more in tune and aware and you know, want to be involved. It's so neat to see that. And maybe it's the 24-hour news cycle that we're on or news being at your fingertips, you know, but it's so amazing to see there are so many kids out there who want to make changes, you know? No, most most definitely, Ron. And I know we've seen it by just, you know, starting it with you doing things in your class and, you know, me doing things with the third graders. You see that excitement. And, and, and to hear them talk and to hear about the design for, for change and everything, like the fact that there's resources out there, right? And, and to, to have your idea of us putting this into our curriculum, I mean, it, it just seems like they're going to go hand in hand with, with writing, with science, with reading. I mean, it all can be blended right in there. Yeah. And I always say to Joe, I, I say, I want... You know, like I know there are magnet schools for all different things. Like I want an SDG magnet school. Like I want (laughs) that to be what our school is like 
focused on. And, and it's, it's just seems so doable. Um, I, I would to love to open like an SDG school. I've been talking about that exactly. for years. I, I, I would, I would love yep. to open a school that is where it focused. is just weaved through every single aspect of the school. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. All right, we have to we have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess I would. What are some of the like the the big or cool projects that you've seen students creating or? or coming up with that kind of, you know, blew you away or, you know, just, just made you kind of take pause. You want me to jump in? Sure. Any, anybody. I mean, yeah, this is free. This is free for all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's for us, it's been neat because I, with the projects we've done through take action global, we have, um, you know, we have the goals project in September, all about the goals. And then we have the climate action project, we did our Kakuma project, uh, specifically focused on refugees, and then just finished up with the Take Action project, which um, you know is a little bit different of a take on on this this work. But what I've loved seeing is that what the goals I think allow students to do is really connect to their own purpose and their interests. So. Um, you know, with the goals and even teachers too, but what, I mean, we have our very own goal in goal number four as teachers. And, and so sometimes um, mainly people are outside education. They think of that's us and we kind of need to stay in that box. But as I talk to teachers and as we talk to them, we were at rewire, we're doing all of this. So we're talking with our students about life on land and life below water. And what does a partnership really even look like? So I think the goals offer space for really everyone to find themselves in. Um, with the goals project, it was neat because we divided our groups. So we had 1,759 classrooms from all around the world participate, age three through university. So when you're talking about what the goals mean for a three-year-old, it's going to look very different um, than a university student. But they were able to make those connections. And so everyone was assigned one goal, which was hard because like, when you think about sustainable cities for a five-year-old, like, rah, what do they even do? But they figured it out. And, you know, I had a lot of teachers say, um, I'm going to need a rubric and I'm going to need, you know, they're just very used to their, their traditional way of teaching. And I just kind of said, put it on them, you know, give them some space to figure it out. And that the neat part was that they did, you know, it just really worked. And so, we didn't put a lot of constraints with the goal, goals project on what they did with that goal. And so like Donna said, we had some that were producing music, some were creating advocacy campaigns, um, some were creating worlds in Minecraft, and then 3D printing coral reefs um, that they could put into their local waters. Mm. And so like any of any, like we had all hundreds and hundreds of projects that were submitted. And in my mind, it was like, they're all neat in their own way. But I love the fact that they can make it their own. With um, with the Take Action project that we just finished up last Friday, and Donna's students did like such a phenomenal job presenting their work at our, our day event last week. But what we did with that was a little different than the Goals Project. This was a nine-week experience. So it was a little bit longer, and we wanted to kind of provide some depth. So we took our students through an experience, and we had 500 classrooms participate. So we launched on March 1st and then coronavirus happened. And so it was like, Oh, what do we do? Do we keep going? Do we stop? And so um, we decided to keep going and we went from levels of self to local to global to universe and then back to the individual student. And so they had this 
really um, full full view of what's happening in the world to then answer the question that was posed by the UN Secretary General this year, it's the 75th anniversary for the UN, and he would like to know what is the future we want to create, specifically wanting to hear from the youth. So that was the work they were doing over the nine weeks. They were trying to, and kind of moving through human-centered design, so a lot of inspiration, looking to trusted experts like when we talked about the planet level, we had WWF come in as our trusted expert. When we looked at the universe, NASA was there and the Mars team, and they did a really cool webinar for us. UN um, was our trusted expert when we were talking about shared humanity, and then brought it back to the students. And, and so they determined the future they wanted to create. And then last Friday, we had Take Action Day. So we had students coming together in a huge online global event, which was insane. And the um, UN Undersecretary General was our keynote speaker, but the rest of the day was kids, all students presenting their ideas and sending a one collective message to the UN um, to have their voices heard. So, so it was really neat. So there's so many individual projects that I've loved seeing, but in my mind, it's just how can we, how can we become a platform to have students be able to stand up and share their message. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, go, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Are you going to say something? Uh, I, no, I, I, that's amazing. And and to think like, I mean, so so where if 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 you were to suggest someone to just hear about all this and want to take a step in, like where where's the first step? Because yeah. it, it it sounds like there's and and I think you know the first step I guess maybe is is just going to the SDGs. But I know when I did it in third grade, it was, all right, so now I have to find the article for this. I have to get this article. So, And it seems like after talking with you guys and, and seeing what's going on on Twitter, there are some resources out there. So so what do you think? I don't want to say the easiest way to get into it, but like, what, what, what do you suggest? Well, I think, um, I, first off, I would suggest people go to Twitter, like you mentioned, and yeah. there is just an amazing group of educators that will meet you there. You can use hashtag teach SDGs to hashtag take action EDU. There's a lot of hashtags that you can use that will bring you into that space. And then everyone's going to be there ready with open arms to be like, welcome in. We're here and ready. But I feel like a lot of people ask me the first step and a lot of teachers feel quite overwhelmed because yeah. when they think about things like change, like inspiring real meaningful change that can actually make a difference, um, I know for me, as one teacher, in, you know, if our one teacher in one classroom in one school in a huge system, like a massive system, how do I, one person, create change? And it becomes almost where you're like, I can't, and you you feel like like I don't. This isn't why I got into this profession. This isn't what I signed up for. But once you find that group, and that's what I felt with this group, that is just. Um, charged, you know, like ready to go and, and unapologetic about it. Like this is what we're doing and we are staying the course. Once you find that group, what I found with us and teachers like Donna, it's if we all do these individual small actions in a forward movement, then collectively we can really start to see things change. Like thinking about teach SDGs as a hashtag and note, remember how I said, like nobody really like, they were like, good for you that you're doing that, but I don't have time. And I was like, oh, but it really is. For me, it's been so good. So we went from two to four to many. And when you believe in something and when you're willing to stay the course, like that's the other thing in education, there's so much noise. 
many things happening that someone keep it. it's easy to get it and then fade off and get it and fade off. But once you're, you say this, this is really my calling and not giving up when it gets hard because it's hard. I tell my university all the time, students all the time is hard. Like this is a hard job, it, it, but it's worth it. And it's the right, right thing to do. So I think I'm um, starting to your point, um, to your question, starting with Twitter and then just starting small, not feeling like you need to go in and change your entire curriculum, though you can, like Donna has said, it is possible and maybe one day, but how are those, what are those small entry points that you can take? To cool. Yeah. Awesome. And don't be afraid to make a mistake and don't be, you have to be the type of teacher that is like, I haven't used a textbook in, I don't even know how long, but that's just how. I like to build the plane as I fly it. And so right. yep. you have to give yourself a little leverage to say, I'm just going to try this and it's going to be okay. And if it, and if it doesn't work, that's okay too, because you're modeling that resilience for students as well, that you can make mistakes as well. And so there are so many resources out there that it can get overwhelming, but um, you know, looking at take action uh, global and looking at their projects that's something that you can dip your toe in the water and just kind of get started and and have a group of people that will help you through it you can go to the design for change USA platform and they actually um, I'm sure Tara could speak more about this but they're actually doing uh, things during remote learning as well they're doing the hashtag do good from home yep. so um, yep. you know and one to me it's almost like a like a fever that you catch. I don't know. That's just me. But uh, I, I, I just, ever since I've gotten involved I've got it. teaching I this, yeah, I, you just, it just oozes. I mean, I know you've seen on Twitter too, my son's caught the fever. Yep. So he's doing yeah. stuff from home. And so uh, it's just, it. once you get involved in it, it is just something that is just amazing. And it will, to me, it just changed my whole teaching. Everything I, everything I do is just about the SDGs. And that's just, well, I, <laughs> I found out about them on a Saturday and by Monday, my co-teacher came in, the kids come in at eight 20 and she came in, you know, around eight o'clock and said, yo, guess what we're going to do today. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what's in the lesson plans, but like, and, and, and she's got that same attitude. She was like, okay, cool. So, and, and, and next thing you know, like it snowballed and we got into a project and it was all on us and it was hard and it was tiring, but the kids, their biggest question is, why do we have to stop? You know, mm -hmm. we raised this much money. What? And, and my initial response, I told her, I said, because I'm tired. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I need a break. <laughs> I said, it doesn't have to stop. I said, but, you know, like we, right now, like if there's an endpoint, we collected X amount of money. Like the next process is now getting this money to where, you know, the, the, where they needed. And, and then we can look at something next. We continue this. So I think, moving forward, I am going to, you know, maybe probably not maybe probably, but moving forward next year, definitely pick something, but for the rest, rest of remote learning to kind of, if I was going to pick my one group, like the do good from home. So maybe eventually when, when the stuff we're doing now with remote learning starts to subside, because Ron and I have what, six more weeks left of instruction to, yeah. to, to do or put out. So I, and I, and I don't want to just put out here you go, read this, answer this question. So to be able to be like, hey, let's do this. And for your reading assignment, read up on this article. And then for your writing assignment, write this persuasive speech on why they should do this for that. And then, hey, let's have fun and make a wee video. Um, so like, and, and I think that's going to be better. And I don't care if they don't learn multiplication facts for the rest of the year, 
but like if they've learned to care about something and then take all these steps to pre i mean that's learn i think that's learning so so it's it's very exciting and and now i'm going to stop talking because i will keep going because it's like you like you catch the fever the passion and it's and it's like you know the neurons are firing it's like ooh like let's let's do this and let's do this and um, so it's, it's cool to have all those resources out there because it is definitely a lot of work, but I, it's good work that can be done um, and weaved in throughout the day. Yeah, and like my students during this remote learning time, I've had about 90 to 95% attendance every day. We meet every day. And yeah. I attribute that because they are working on these projects right now and we were part of the Take Action Project. And I, I really feel like it's it's they want to be there because it's fun and we we've been showing each other's projects and they're actually i don't know they're creating their own like a, like a, a village i guess um on minecraft right now they they're sharing usernames i'm not i'm learning minecraft um i'm joining their world but uh, apparently they want to connect all their different worlds that they're creating because they as part of the take action project they um were supposed to you know, say what kind of world they wanted to create. And wow, I have cool. to tell you that I was like blown away by their little cities that they did. I mean, they, they had paved streets and like solar panels. And I, I, I don't know, I can't wait to get in there. I'm going to ask my son to help me because I don't know how to get in there. But, um, but I just want to, I mean, the things that they're creating and, and again, it's because they're passionate, they're bringing, you know, they love video games, right? And that's what we can do right now because we're home. And so they're taking their passion for video games and they're putting that with one of the um, one of the goals. And so, which is number eleven. Right, would you be able the numbers, to, but, uh, Would you be able to use Minecraft at school? Like, because I don't know if we. Because I, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like it's something you would want to be able to try and weave in. But I know we're kind of limited on on like well, that. We're, we're we're strictly Google. Right. Well, Minecraft, they can do Microsoft, it at home and right? then they take yeah. pictures and video and, and um, there's okay. programs like Tinkercad. I mean, there's other things, yep, you know, yep. I told them build it with Legos. I don't care. Right. I'm like, just mm -hmm. let's see what your city looks like. And so, and again, if you, if you throw the idea out to them, they'll come up with their own solution. You don't need to, you don't need to solve their problems. They, yeah. you, you just tell them here's what you need to create and they'll, they'll come up with what they want to do. Though. Gotcha. That's cool. I love I love the Minecraft idea because I'm not a gamer. I don't I don't do the Minecraft or the Classcraft. And and we uh, Ron and I set went through a Texpo uh, two day ordeal, and that's one of the things I sat on and sat in on. Like you just said, they're into Minecraft and they like Minecraft. So just because I don't like it doesn't mean I shouldn't bring aspects of their world into education. So which which would uh, you know light that fire even more? I think. Tara, do uh, you want to jump in? Yeah, it was just, it was making me think about um, kind of the, well, one of my educational inspirations is Barbara J. Love, um, and she has a framework around liberatory consciousness and this idea of providing experiences for students that actually, like, engages them and deepens their consciousness. And I think there's this reality that, um, you know, to the question about where do we start, there's there's a reality around this idea that students just first starting with building awareness can be so powerful. And I think it links to what Donna was saying, like they're gonna figure things out because they have such a capacity to be creative and, and critical and have critique. Um, and so if they're 
exposed to challenges um, and build kind of a, a consciousness around what's going on in the world. Um, they have the capacity to, to turn that into action. And that's, you know, one of the things that I wanted to name as like a potential concrete resource too, is that there's a, with Design for Change, we have the podcast that I mentioned, which just has the potential of exposing students, building their awareness around a potential issue um, or social cause. And once they hear, they start hearing voices from peers around the, the country or community members or experts around the country, they automatically start connecting to their own realities and things in their own community. And there's an em one path is the empathy warm up, which is a really quick engagement. It can be, a, you know, between like 30 minutes and an hour. And it's just about um, connecting students to the SDG and the kind of the voice of peer and community members. Um, and then them reflecting on it, making meaning of it. Um, where are those warm-ups? They're, they're available. What's up? Uh, yeah, where, where would those warm-ups, uh, like where could we refine those? Yeah, they're available for free on the Design for Change website. Um, so if you go to the Design for Change website, you can, you can navigate to social causes and kind of uh, see all of the podcasts and the SDG alignment. Okay. Awesome. Click on one of them. Um, you can preview an empathy uh, empathy warm up and uh, go down that pathway. And like I said, there are a couple other more robust pathways. But I just wanted to acknowledge that I think like just building awareness as a as an entry point can be really powerful. Um, and and are the podcasts would the would the kids be able to go and choose a podcast to listen to? Yes. Oh, great. that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I, the thing I like too is. You know, you make it that I can download the podcast, mm -hmm. you know, oh, which was nice. awesome. So wow. I put, I took your framework, put it into an editable Google slide for them and put a link to the podcast directly into the Google slide so that they could listen right from their Google slide. They didn't have to navigate two different places. Oh, that's great. Um, and because at first I wanted, because we were distance learning, I couldn't, I wasn't going to get them paper to write all these notes down. So I was like, all right, I got to think. And now I'm saying, well, there's no reason when we get back to school, I need to give them paper either. Like, let's just do it digitally and have them, you know, do the whole thing. And that was, you know, that it was free was, you know, like my first really happy thought, you know, like it, this is, this is completely free. Um, and then being able to, to pull resources off and they didn't even just have to go to the website. You know, I didn't have to worry Oh, is the site going to be blocked for students on this device? Right, right. Or like, I just pulled it down. I made it shareable in Google Drive, and off it went. What do you um, have it run in slides? Do you have it in slides? I have like I took the design uh, empathy, empathy warm up. So I took the empathy warm up, and I I just took the framework and I, I made mm -hmm. it into a, a Google Slides with oh, okay. boxes for different oh, cool. for the graphic organizer for them to be able to fill out. Um, and I've used it in every middle school class for distance learning. So, I mean, for, for you guys to get an understanding, we, we went home on our, this Friday before the, the distance learning started. My new group of students were coming in Monday and we never went back. So I never even got to see these guys face to face um, to do anything. And we had to start class. So 
you know, we were, I was kind of panicked and looking for things that we could do remotely. And, you know, they don't even know what my plan was um, for school. So, you know, it was finding that and being able to download and, and I can make a two minute video on, hey, here's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Go to it now. I love that too, because then you have something that is replicable for yep. all of the podcasts podcast because actually it's a different experience each time depending on the social cause that they choose and the podcast because the podcasts are vastly different um we have things from youth living with disabilities to um cyberbullying those are two that i'm using right now really (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny um food waste uh school funding disparities and then we also created a kind of a bundle of podcasts that are really specifically connected to folks that are experiencing unique challenges during the pandemic. So yep. one on racialized discrimination um, and also one on the connection between air quality and COVID-19, um, hygiene and safety, and all of which have the connecting SDG as well, whether it's life on land or uh, good health and well-being, or reduced inequalities. Um, yeah. So I love that replicable nature of creating something in Google Slides. Plus, it obviously integrates directly into the what you're using, the platform you're using. And I'd be, I'll, I can share, you know, with you what it looks like in Google Slides for sure. We I would can love connect. That. Yeah. Um, I think the one, the one thing that I there are two things. One, I, I like the idea of students being able to. However, you want to get the word out about this thing that you're passionate about, you can do. Like, you know, Donna's group did a song and then these kids are doing Minecraft and maybe someone's going to write a story, somebody make a video. Like you're not pigeonholed into one specific project. I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, I had a group last year that that made – they they made an outdoor ad like to put on a billboard and they actually i said well why don't you just contact the company and ask them they were like well they're not going to say yes and i'm like yes they are and i'm like go call them up so they did and we it was the funniest phone call i've ever listened to but <laughs> they they asked the you know i had to like you know help them out i'm like ask them this and they agreed and they put it up there it was up on an outdoor billboard in two locations pretty pretty big um, and it was up there for two weeks and it was amazing and so it was all about no hunger and they, they came up with the whole campaign it was like a teaser campaign uh, where they used um, gra- uh, graham crackers with letters on it and they like posted like no and then the next day it would be noh and then and so oh. and it was just to um, raise awareness for no hunger and so like to, that's why I'm saying like I think the students will will pivot and and they come up with the projects you know um, my own son with his Kindheart Juniors. So yeah. He's been working with Project Kakuma and Dr. Williams and Kuhn. And so, you know, obviously he can't, you know, because of the pandemic, he can't really sell his hearts right now or, or he was raising money and then giving it to Project Kakuma. So he ended that campaign because he said, I can't give my hearts away because, you know, I can't have these hearts go into people's homes because of the pandemic. So he flipped it and he is doing these little rocks where he's painting them and then he's leaving them on neighbors doorsteps to say like we're all a community and why don't you paint your rock and bring it down to the local elementary school so the students will come up with ideas on their own and so and what's great is that they they bring that passion they they want 
they want to do good from home. They want to make a difference. They want to be change makers. So that's awesome. What grade? What grade are you uh, working with? Uh, I teach sixth grade, and then I also teach a, a middle and high school Xbox, and my own son's in fourth grade. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I've seen third graders and, and the stuff that they do when you give them the opportunity. So that's why, like, I'm right on board with Ron, where he talks to our curriculum coordinator to see this fostered throughout our school and to see it introduced in kindergarten. And, and you know, as a school district to light that fire would be really cool to see. But you know what? Fires get started in the smallest little corners of the forest. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, Ron's in one corner and I'm in the other corner. We're, we're blazing. <laughs> and I think I've seen a shift for my students anyway. I mean, I've only been doing this a short time, but, you know, when I first introduced the SDGs, you know, a lot of it was, I don't want to say they're all important, you know, no doubt, but a lot of it was, I call it like fluff. Like I want, you know, to deal with life below water because I just love turtles and, you know, but now with the pandemic, when I introduced it this past marking period, I've seen a shift of people don't have clean water. Like people don't have sanitary. Somebody doesn't have soap to be able to wash their hands. Like there's been such a shift of really worrying about people. Um, and, and that's been really, you know, like heartwarming to see and something that I just keep thinking to myself, this has to continue when we get back. Like this can't, when the pandemic ends, we can't go back to normal and we have to keep going as to why these are so important and, you know, picking ones that are really heartfelt. Um, you know, I don't know if anybody else has experienced seeing that shift in, in any of the kids. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and they're living it and they have right. those direct connections. So, and I think like if, if you have those students that say, well, I want to focus on life below water because I care about turtles. I think they had that connection to right. turtles. And so that made a lot of sense for them, but. I mean, like never before. And it was, it was crazy with the Take Action Project because we went in with our essential question of what does collective action look like? And then it was like, oh my gosh, we're in it. Like we're, we're living it. it. It is wild. So I think right now all of these children are having those personal like responses to what's happening in the world. They're like, as you all were talking about with Design for Change, they're living through empathy and they're starting to see oh I didn't really understand how my actions impact others and what what are their needs and what can I do for them so um, I think I think it's we have to keep it going and now that we like this has been and, and like I just kind of watch all of your body language and it's I see that with teachers like like you're like I caught the fever and I caught like it's like you're, you're in. like your whole body is like yep. a part of this and, and I think that's what we're seeing with the teachers with the SDGs and just even social impact, social change in general, that they're like, wait a minute, this is what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to right. grade papers and even to write lesson plans. Like that wasn't what I signed up for. My university students, every first week, every semester, I say, why did you get into this? And they say, they all, everyone, 100%, every semester. I'm waiting for one to say something like totally like blows me away, but um, it surprises me. They want to make a change in the world. I want to make a change through children. I want to make a difference. I, and they always have. I had that one teacher who changed my course, and they know it. And so I like hold on to that, and I have them write a letter to themselves, like their future teacher self, because I'm like, when it gets hard, you can open that letter. But those teachers that participate in projects like these, they say, 
I got connected back to my why. And I remembered why I joined education in the first place. And when they feel that way, their students feel that way. And I mean, why, if, if we're not excited about teaching it, then who's going to be excited about learning it, you know? Yep. So like teachers like Donna, they're like, oh, I'm a whole new teacher and watch out world. Here I come. And there's no stopping me. These teachers are getting students on board and, and it becomes, I think I've been thinking a lot about this, this concept of student choice for the past this year, really. But, you know, student choice has become this big buzz of teachers now. Student voice, student choice. Um, and so when we think about choice, though, are we really giving true choice? And so some teachers will say, well, I give choice in my classroom because I give them an option between two paths or two, two, two items. Do you want A or B, path one or two? which is a, a beginning, but it's not choice. Like choices, I choose to come to school. Like that's the true choice for our students. And like Donna, we, the work we've done with Kakuma, I have classrooms in different parts of Nigeria and in Kenya that, that I realized it then when I saw pictures of what school looks like there. And I'm like, why would children choose to come to these schools? And it's because school equals hope. School is a privilege. School equals their meal for the day. Like they have this motivation that they are like, get me there. I'm coming no matter what. How can we have that here within the United States where it's a true choice where students are like, I can't wait to get back to school every day because watch out. I'm going to be in Donna's class and we're going to create a billboard and the, the people in my community are going to listen and I'm going to make change. So that's the choice that I'm, I'm aiming for now. And I, one thing I, there are, Two things. I think for me, I, I would tell somebody, be prepared to get emotional at times if you are doing these SDGs because I, I shared with Joe, I had a, an eighth grade student. They, got to, they picked three and had to say why it speaks to them. Like that was you know, one of their things to start off. And he picked zero hunger. And he wrote that he was picking it because he knew what it was like to live hungry and that he was, he, he said, I'm underdeveloped because I wasn't able to get enough food as a young child. And like, I'm sitting here reading this and I'm just like, I got tears running down my face. I'm texting Joe and I'm like, you know, look at what this, this guy just wrote. And, you know, Joe said, I'm not crying. You're crying. Like, yeah. you know, like that was his text back to me, but it was, it was emotional and it put a connection that I probably would not have gotten with that student if not for, you know, him being open to say like, oh, wow, you're, you understand some of the issues that I've dealt with and you actually care about it and are asking about it. Um, you know, it was pretty, it was even just tough getting through it just then, <laughs> but yeah. uh, talking I about think, it, but yeah. I think that's the power of this is, is really allowing students to connect to things that are most impacting them. And you asked about projects and it's making me think about um, projects that we've seen too from students in Chicago leading a youth summit on um, gun violence because their community was impacted by gun violence um, to second graders in Idaho who uh, had wanted to create a crosswalk, a safe crosswalk in their community because there was a uh, really like dangerous um, activity near their school. And, and, and then students kind of students from South Dakota who um, were 
working to stop a an anti-protest bill that that bubbled up after this Standing Rock um, protests. And it's just so unique to what they're experiencing and they're most connected to the issues. And when you are able to connect students um, to the issues that they, they know so much about, it's just so profound and powerful. And so I love that story and I, I appreciate you sharing that because I, I think that that's, students have so much power and bring so much knowledge and experience already just in, in who they are and their, their being. And this allows them that to actually like have so much value in a classroom. Yeah, and it's, it's relevant to them. Like that's what I was, I was saying, I think I was saying to Joe yesterday, you know, in a classroom, in a school, you got a captive audience, right? Like, you know, I mean, whatever, I could teach whatever, you're still going to be there. And where we're in this remote learning, you know, I said, I'm competing with Xbox, PlayStation, Hulu, Netflix, YouTube. <laughs> it's got to be relevant and meaningful for them to want to, you know, jump on board. And, and like Donna, you were saying you have 95% of your kids showing up. Clearly it's relevant and meaningful because I could pretend my internet's not working and not pop on to your, you know, your meet or Zoom. Right. And I, you know, like just to keep the learning going. So for example, um, this quarter we were supposed to go to this local um, animal sanctuary called Love and Arms Sanctuary because we were um, talking about animals and um, some animals are abused and have different things. And so we were going to go to the sanctuary. Well, they were nice enough to do virtual field trips. So every, um, Friday, we read to the chickens. We realize that chickens apparently really like technology. And so we read to them and they put the iPad there and the chickens are kind of interacting with us. And um, then we, with my middle and high school students, um, later today, we, we do it every Friday in the afternoon. You guys are welcome to come join us because I invite whoever wants to come. Um, they do these compassion tours. And so we're going around and, and they call them residents there. And so we're meeting the residents. Today we're meeting the turkeys. And they kind of tell us a little about their history and, and why they're on, why they're there at the sanctuary. And so, uh, like I said, I've had people join in because they, it's fun. <laughs> like, you know, we get to learn about the animals and I found, um, bringing experts in about different and, um, tying them somehow back to the SDGs has been really good too. Uh, so we had, um, a musician last week, uh, come from teach rock and we had, um, another gentleman who we watched his documentary uh, that he made um, uh, about, it was called E-Wasteland. And so he came in and talked to us about his making of the documentary. And so I just think keeping it relevant and kids, kids want to learn more about it. They're, they're passionate about it and it makes them want to complete things. So that's what I was, I was looking for space on my pad to write down, bringing in the experts to SDGs. Um, to just to take it to the next level. And, and we live in a pretty close-knit community where, you know, Ron, you back me up, right? Like there, there's definitely people where we can reach out to, yeah. um, community members, parents, you know, business people that I, I think could definitely help push this. I mean, we reached out to little Steven from Bruce Springsteen's band and he came to us. Uh, he did. He, he gave us an hour of his time. Oh, so wow. Through Skype. Yep. 
last year. It was, I mean, of course, I was in awe. And yeah, right. And, <laughs> uh, and, but, you know, because he did uh, all his work he did with Sun City. And so um, we used that. We, so the overarching theme was what's your superpower? And we started with the power of music. And so he came and talked to us about the power of music and how um, his passion for music and how he uh, went about making a change. And so um, the experts are out there and, you know, you know it, my motto is just hit send. You never know. They might come. And yep. so, and to me, meeting new and exciting people and learning more about their background, you know, you, you never know. You might have a budding filmmaker in your class right. and right. they have that one connection with the filmmaker and then who knows what they'll, what they'll do. Ron's already inspired kids uh, that for Christmas are asking for microphones from their parents. Yeah, for podcasting that. and stuff. That's so <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> and I just for you guys to put out there, like I, I have a unique background. I didn't come to teaching until I was 40. I'm 47. If anybody ever needs, I worked for four years as an archaeologist. Uh, my, my first degree is in anthropology. So if any of your students ever need or you hear of anybody who wants to talk to somebody who did archaeology. It was all done in the U.S., you know, Native American, Civil War, Revolutionary War. And then I'm also, I've been a professional dog trainer for 20 years. A phenomenal so, dog. What? Wow. Phenomenal. If, if anybody wants to reach out for anything <laughs> like that, you know, um, I'm more than happy and, and willing to offer to join, you know, classes That's or whatever. That's so cool. <laughs> That's my awesome. dog, and he's just laying there. And he, <laughs> he, he's been in place this whole time since he's come in, and the dog won't move. <laughs> and I, I, I take my hat off for Ron because wow. it's because of Ron and his knowledge on how to train a dog. This dog is, is he won't do anything without being told. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, the other, the one last, I don't want to hold everybody up, but I, I just, I thought was so for me when I was trying to start on teaching design thinking, the thing that I always struggled with was the interview part, right? Like having students interview someone, like it was always a struggle to find someone. And I think that's where at least for a part, the podcasts really come through, um, because it's like you're getting to interview someone. Um, you have to stop, take some notes, you know, pick out certain quotes that were important in, in the, uh, you know, empathy sprint, you know, like that, you, you did that. Then you made personal connections and, it, you know, that was so powerful, I think, in teaching the design thinking steps a little bit for me this, this time. I love that you mentioned that because that's kind of the, that was the impetus behind creating the podcast is getting feedback from educators across the country around that exact point. And so we, we were able to create them and consider our unique position, which is that we have connections across the country. And we have the privilege of having a little bit more time and space to get students and experts and other community members who have experiences um, together to create, you know, the podcast that has voice included. And the, the great thing is that an educator can then use that as a launching point for students to say, well, now who from our community do we have to talk to? And how do right. we make it happen? Um, who else do we need to hear from? 
or, or what does this actually look like for us personally? Because I'm hearing it from someone's voice in New Jersey, but I live in California. What is it? How have I experienced the same thing? So making those, um, it's like a, a, a catalyst for other potential interviews or reflections. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I didn't even think about that. And I think that's also one of the cool things about making these connections on Twitter or here in the podcast or you kind of, you know, oh, wow, that was, you know, what, a, what an ideal way to use that, that thing that I've been using in just one way, uh, mm-hmm. having them listen to the podcast to spur on other ideas um, has been awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the people that I've met through this, um, the educators from around the globe are just amazing human beings. I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say. We have a, a group, we call ourselves the SDG Women, and we actually have been meeting like once a week just just to, and, and it's hard because we're coordinating, you know, different time zones, and but we make it work and we make a space for ourselves every week just to say hello. <laughs> so, I mean, I, to me, the, the educators that we, and the people that I've gotten to gotten to know through working with the SDGs is incredible so it, it is uh, I think some you do have to be willing to like sometimes I look and I'm like man I'm not doing a thing compared to you know <laughs> what somebody else is doing and you have to be you know be able to take a breath and say okay I'm not doing that but I am doing this and if I can grow one percent or learn something a little bit from what they're doing that's that's the goal you know, because sometimes it is a little overwhelming to see what somebody who's been into it for a while is accomplishing. Yeah, everyone has their own journey and their own pace. And even if you're doing this much, you're doing you're doing just fine. You know, I, I feel like Ron, right, like trying to play catch up. But uh, like all through my schooling career, that's all I was ever doing was playing catch up <laughs> 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 and, and like doing everything I possibly could <laughs> to not fail. And uh, so, like, it's, this is no different. It's just, but you know what? It's a lot more fun. You know, it, it's this, it's, it's lit. So, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be cool moving forward, Ron. And, and at least now we have, uh, you know, like more people to add to it. Ron and I and our other buddy, Gary, call it the brain trust. Like, anything, <laughs> yeah. you know, kicking around those ideas. So it's cool to see all that happening. And I guess, Dr. Williams, it's like you said, like little pockets of of people and and teachers and classrooms working um and one little pocket here and one little pocket there you know might not seem a lot but in the grand scheme of things all those little pockets add up that's it so uh if i guess we'll we'll kind of start to wrap up but where can people get in touch with with you all if dr williams if you want to start you know where somebody could get in touch with you if you they want it yeah I'd love to. Uh, and I'd love to hear from people in your network that are, are out doing the work or are trying to find ways to get into the work. And so um, I'm on Twitter a lot. And so I'm at Jen Williams EDU on Twitter. And also my website is jenwilliamsedu.com. And then our work around Take Action is Take Action EDU. And Teach SDGs is Teach SDGs on Twitter. Really all social networks. And then the website Take teachstgs.org. Cool. And uh, the SDG ambassadors, that 
the applications for that come out what in the summer? Yeah, in the summer. So we have, um, it's kind of like, so Teach SDGs is not even a nonprofit. Like Take Action Global is the nonprofit arm of Teach SDGs. So Teach SDGs is just a space. So it's just a movement. And we had we had been encouraged to go after funding and nonprofit status for, we still are encouraged to do that. Um, but we just, it never sat well with us because just like the SDGs are owned by all, like every, the SDGs belong to everyone, every person, anywhere. We felt like Teach SDGs was the same. Like it's a space that belongs to all teachers and students. And so we're just there to facilitate that. So we have um, teachers that are doing the work. They are, um, we have pledge takers. So people can go on to Teach SDGs and take the pledge. So an action yep. and say, I'm in it. I'm ready to do this work. And I'm going to teach the SDGs in my class. And then our most engaged group, people are out doing the work, inspiring policy change, inspiring um, change in, in instruction. Those are our Teach SDGs ambassadors. So we have currently, we're at our fourth cohort of ambassadors. So it started small. I think our first cohort was, we had 50 people. And now um, we have about 850. So wow, we'll have, awesome. um, and it's great. Like at one point, even we were like, maybe we should just move away from it having ambassadors because we don't want it just to be like a badge, like a digital badge on their email. We want it to really, it's a lot, it's a lot of work to go through the applications and it's a very vetted process. And then we started, especially outside of the United States, being a teach SDGs ambassador gives like people in Nigeria, they'll say to me, this now gave me authority to go to my ministry of education and say, I am a teach SDGs ambassador and we need to make change for, quality education for all. So so we're staying the course for sure with that now that we've realized that. So we'll have our applications for our fifth cohort come open in the summer, and those will be due on November 1st, and then we'll announce our new cohort in December. Cool. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Please an application do oh, for sure. Must. Oh, yes. <laughs> you and Joe must. <laughs> and Donna, where can people uh, reach you? Uh, the best place to reach me is probably on Twitter. So that's um, at D-L-G-U-E-R-I-N. So at D-L-Garin1. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. So I'm on Twitter as Dr. Williams and Tara can attest to all day. Um, and so you can always reach me on Twitter, but um, that's probably the best place to direct message me. I'm happy to be in touch. And Tara? Yeah. Well, folks can find um, all of the resources that we talked about at www.designforchange.us. And you can also follow along um, at DFC USA on Twitter and Facebook and at Design for Change US on Instagram. Right now, we're really focused in the social media space on the Do Good From Home Challenge. You can also follow along with that hashtag hashtag do good from home um, to see what students are doing from home. Um, I wanted to also just name that every year we accept um, applications through our website as well um, for students, student projects for students to be ambassadors to the Design for Change Global Conference where they share their work globally. And Donna's students were U.S. ambassadors last year during the, um, the international conference in, in Rome. We will not have an international conference likely this year, um, but the following year we are planning to. And so we are also accepting um, applications to the U.S. ambassadors uh, through design thinking for social change projects. 
awesome. Um, so, Joe, did you have something you wanted to say? No, no, I no, I'm just like blown away. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like I'm a little fan, like you, you oh. know. Like I'm, <laughs> I uh, hear everything. My neighbor's getting his lawn mowed. I'm like, mutant, unmutant. Oh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> worse. I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if it's a bug for anyone. <laughs> we can't hear it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just want to say thank you all so much. It's been just an absolute honor um, just to have you, you all in one group on the podcast. It, it's, you've inspired me. And, uh, you know, hopefully that inspires a bunch of kids and that's where all the change, change happens. This is one I'm definitely going to be going back to and stopping and taking notes. Like every mm, time I'm so trying nice. to write things down as we go, my screen <laughs> exploded all over my head. <laughs> you are having the time yeah. of it, man. <laughs> this whole week has been. Oh, that's so it, rough. It, But you know what? Like I'm smiling like this. If this is the worst thing, you know, like yep. I didn't run out gas i did get my <laughs> i did i did make the zoom for the third grade meeting i did make this zoom i think i'm gonna have pizza for dinner this is a good no, you're good success <laughs> yeah i'll pan down so you can see my oh then you can't see my face that's all right <laughs> i did i was trying and then i was like okay i'm like i want to show the back of the shirt i'm so ah, donna that's all right that's funny um well once again you know just Thank you all so much for, for joining us. We, we really can't yeah, thank you know, you. say enough. Teacher nerds, teacher nerds, knocking on your door. Open up, let's take your teaching further than before. Give it a try, don't be shy, there's nothing there to lose. Worst thing that happens, kids get pain on their shoes. We're talking teacher nerds, I'm talking teacher Thanks for listening to the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, or anywhere you listen. Remember to visit teachernerds.com, and that's nerds with a Z. Follow us on Twitter at teachernerds and on Instagram at teachernerdspodcast. And thank you for being one of the teacher nerds.